evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the November 30th, 2014 edition of Season 2 of The Court Report on the Nahum Siegel Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. The Court Report comes to you every Sunday night at 7 p.m., as well as an encore presentation on Tuesday night at 7 p.m., right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Every week we will take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. Had a game this week? Let us know. Friend me on Facebook. You can send me a message. My name is Elliot Weiselberg. That's W-E-I-S-E-L-B-E-R-G. Or you can like the Court Report fan page. You can also follow me and tweet me on Twitter. My name is Y-L-S Wiseguy. That's Y-L-S-W-E-I-S-G-U-Y. Because if I don't know about it, we cannot talk about it. Uh, thank you again to our amazing sponsor, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Crown Trophy of Brooklyn has been servicing the Yeshiva League for over a decade. And if you've won a championship within that time, you've already benefited from their amazing handiwork and craftsmanship. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your trophy and plaque needs. Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg. Coach, official, analyst, but most of all, like you, I am a Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share the amazing efforts and accomplishments of these kids with you each and every week, right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. If you have a smartphone and haven't downloaded the Nachum Siegel Network app already, do so. You'll have access to all of last season's episodes of The Court Report, plus this season's as well. You'll also be able to send in comments for each show. Please keep the comments nice. Much like the show is not about me criticizing, degrading, or disrespecting players or coaches, please be courteous enough to do the same. I hope everyone had a very happy and meaningful Thanksgiving and found uh, a thing or two to be thankful for. Hopefully, if we have enough time later on in the show, after we get through with the sports, I'd like to share with you a list of things that, a small list of things that I'm uh, thankful and grateful for. But uh, let's get through the sports first so that we can, uh, we can get to everything else. We are six shows into the 2014-2015 season, and there's going to be a first time in a while that we are not supposed to have a guest on, which will happen every once in a while. But for this week, it's going to be 60 minutes of listening to me. Uh, I would like to thank all of my guests over the first six weeks, though, starting out with Mo Fuchs for our hockey preview, moving on to to Avi Bornstein, uh, Flappish head coach for the basketball uh, preview, Moving on to our three amazing, amazing athletic directors and coaches for the uh, for the girls interview, the girls sports interview the week after, and to Josh Kahane, who has been who was our guest interview for the last two weeks on the court report, um, and I hope that there are many more to come over the next few weeks of our show. If you have any suggestions for a themed show or for anyone that you'd like to hear from, or if you're someone who would like to come on the show and talk, please contact me. So now I hope you've all recovered from your turkey comas. Because of last week's show, we now have 10 games worth, uh, sorry, 10 days worth of games to roll through. Um, because of the holiday, no games, there were no games since Tuesday, uh, except for one girls basketball game, which was today. So the results and standings that we're going to go through are pretty much current. Because of the way the show the last two weeks has turned out, because we've had a basketball interview, and last week was pretty much all basketball with the finishing of the interview and talking about the North Shore Hafter game that followed, uh, this week is going to be a little more hockey-based. We're going to have a bit more conversation about hockey just to catch people up to speed, and then we're going to touch on basketball, uh, boys' basketball, and girls' basketball. So we're going to get to everything today, but hockey is going to take up more of the show than it normally would. So we're going to start out with hockey right now. 
in terms of hockey, this will probably be the most uh, exciting week of the first half of the regular season. We'll get to that as we go through JV and varsity. In particular, for JV, Monday night is going to be extremely exciting. For varsity, it's going to be this coming Thursday night. We're going to start off with hockey. First, we're going to take you through the results of the last two weeks of action. We're going to start out in the East. Solomon Schechter, uh, we'll start with Solomon Schechter. It's a very, very interesting reason why. With four games in the last two weeks after having only played one in the month of action prior. Over the week, they faced JEC, DRS, Flatbush, and North Shore. The stretch didn't start out well for Solomon Schechter, as they dropped games to JEC 7-1 and DRS 6-1 at home. But last Thursday night, they pulled up an upset in Brooklyn, blitzing Flatbush early on a goal 35 seconds into the game, a roller from the point that caught Flatbush's defense by surprise. Unfortunately for Flatbush, the offensive struggles that they had that had plagued them for the two games prior, having been blanked by both DRS and Hafter, caught up to them, and Solomon Schechter walked away with a one nothing surprise win. Their first win on the season. Uh, they were not able to sustain the momentum, though, as they fell to North Shore 9 nothing on Tuesday night in North Shore. Speaking of the Stars, who also played four over that period of time, it looks as if North Shore is finally riding their ship. After opening the season dropping their first four games, North Shore rallied off four of their last five, defeating Magan 12-1 to twice, part of an interesting trend with Magan David that we're going to get to very shortly, and followed that up with a 5-1 loss to DRS, but are now on a two-game defensive tear, having uh, played Rombaum the night before the Solomon Schechter win, defeating the Ravens 1-0 in Rombaum, Bradley Lowy scoring the game's only goal in the first period, and Ian O'Horn, after a rough start to the season shaking off the rust of having not played for a year, has put together a solid five-game stretch for the Stars, who are now at 4-5. and Norshaw will take their shutout streak into Hafter on Wednesday night. We'll talk about Hafter a little later on. We're going to go back to Flappish now. After being embarrassed one nothing by Solomon Schechter, the Falcons needed to put together a strong stretch. Started out playing with uh, by playing Hank last Sunday afternoon. In the first period, almost right off the faceoff, Hank gets called for consecutive penalties, setting up a four-on-two for the Falcons. Almost immediately Immediately, the ball found its way to Ben Valinsky, who put it past Josh Geller to give Flatbush a 1-0 lead. Hank would kill off the second penalty and would add a tally of their own after Matthew Maslin made a play to take the ball away from a Flatbush defender. The ball found its way across the court to Kane's leading scorer, Josh Wangrowski, who shot it on target to tie the game at 1. Second period, Hank would take the lead when Maslin would once again find Wangrowski, this time all alone in the slot, to make the score 2-1. The one-goal margin would carry over into the third, a few minutes in, Flopper successfully kills off a penalty, but lets their guard down soon after, as Wengrowski carries the ball into the zone, shoots on net, doesn't score, but the rebound goes right to Judah Wokenfeld, wide open in front of the net, to increase Hank's lead to two. But the Falcons would not go away. Less than a minute later, Volinsky would add his second of the day on a beautiful turnaround shot from the faceoff circle. The score was 3-2 Hank. Two minutes later, Hank, letting frustration get the better of them, found themselves down two men once again, and just like the first period, Flapwich would hit gold right off the faceoff. A Saul Sasson faceoff win back to Volinsky, who sent the ball across the court to Abe Goldman for a shot that would hit off offenseman Stevie Hafif and into the net to tie the game at three for the Falcons. The clock would run out on regulation, and the game would go to overtime. For Hank, this would be the third overtime game on the year, having beaten Rambam and lost to DRS earlier this season. In the Rambam game, it was the hat-trick heroics of Josh Wengrofsky that earned the victory for Hank. 
and it would be the same this time around as Wengrowski found himself open in front of the net to bang home the game winner. For both teams, it was a much more respectable showing than their previous outings. For Wengrowski, yet another hat-trick, uh, putting his, uh, his uh, goal-scoring uh, total to 11 on the year. For Floppish, this was a much-needed momentum builder heading into Magan David, uh, who they played later on that week. Magan would jump out first, but Floppish would score at will after that, defeating the Warriors 12-3. Possibly a sign that the Falcons' scoring woes are a thing of the early season past. Uh, then again, for the Warriors, um, it was the second game in a row losing by that score, having lost to Rambam last week 12-3, making it also the fourth time in five games that they've given up 12 goals. You can't really blame Magan David, given that the only real goalie on the roster went down with a concussion early on in the season, and they're trying to find a way to make it work. Uh, the one team that we have not talked about so far, though, is Hafter. And for that, we need to dig into, as they said in the movie The Men in Black, one of the stories that never happened from one of the files that doesn't exist. Now, 4-0, having played one game in the last two weeks, that being an 8-1 drubbing of Hank... But wait, if that doesn't sound right to you... Um, yeah, it shouldn't. Hafter was scheduled to take on Frisch last week in Hafter, and technically did but didn't, even though they did. Confused yet? Great, let me help you out just a little bit. Part of the game happened. In the first period, Hafter goes up 2-0 on a full-court shot by Jake Berger and off the face off a brilliant top-shelf shot from right in front by Leon Frankel. In the second, Frisch gets on the board about midway through when Jordan Sokoloff picks up a pass across the crease and beat Gluck. A minute later, though, two players head into the corner near the Hafter bench and set off a fire alarm. Uh, so the fire alarm goes off. Everybody evacuates. Game resumes after about 10 minutes of uh, people being outside and then coming back in. But the alarm still managed to keep going off, disrupting the game even further. So following the second period, the game was officially suspended by the league and the referees. Uh, so how is that going to work? Well, right now the game stands as not complete. If the game is needed for playoff implications, the two will meet up to finish the game, which will start... I believe we'll start at 2-1 to one at the beginning of the third period where it left off. If you ask me, there's a 101% chance that the game is going to be needed because there will definitely be playoff implications. DRS will, uh, Hafter will likely be locked in a, play, in a race with the DRS for the top spot in the, uh, in the East. But at the very least, Frisch is going to be locked in a very tight race in the West. Uh, on that same night, uh, speaking of the West, on that same night, Kushner was knocked from the ranks of the undefeated by Ramaz. The Rams heating up after keeping TABC to only two in the rubber court had Kushner down for the count until Louis Reese tallied a hat-trick to tie the game at four. In the overtime, though, Kushner took a penalty, and the Ramaz power play capitalized for the 5-4 victory. It was a great momentum builder for Ramaz, as they also downed Rambam at home 2-1 to and Heschel 6-2 to for a six-point week to keep pace in the West. It w the week wasn't a total loss for Kushner, though, as they took a home a point that game, but not the result they wanted heading into an important game with Frisch that happened this past Monday. In that game, which took place in Kushner, Frisch would open up the scoring early with Rafi Sullivan netting a power play goal in the first. Second period, Kushner pushes out ahead on goals by Louis Rees and Alec Rabinowitz. Elon Slonim would peg one off the post in the third period to put the Cobras up 3-1, but Frisch would not stay down. Ten seconds after Slonim's goal, Odi Haramadi cut the lead to 3-2, and only moments later, Michael Reinhardt evened up the game. Fast forward to two minutes left in the third, Frisch clears the ball into 
the cushion zone, ball takes a weird bounce off of the boards and right onto the stick of Stevie Brin, who put it home to give Frisch a 4-3 lead. Clock winding down, Rees would knock home his second of the game in front on a controversial goal, as uh, as apparently the ball hit the ceiling uh, above the uh, the Kushner court. The ceiling in Kushner, uh, the, uh, by the Kushner rink, is very very low, so it's not uncommon for balls to hit the the ceiling. But like other rinks, like SAR, which has a netting on top, if it hits the netting within the first uh, the third right above the two nets, it's an automatic dead whistle. In Kushner, though, it's not. If it hits the ceiling and comes straight down as the rules as the rule book states if it hits the ceiling comes straight down doesn't go straight to the goalie then it's it's not a whistle apparently Reeves hit it out of midair into the net so it technically didn't go to the goalie it didn't go to the net it went to and went to Reeves hit off Reeves is sticking in it's, it's funny that we get to, that I get to discuss these these rulings with you it's funny how this would never really happen in basketball so I can really only discuss rule issues in hockey because basketball is a little more clear cut and in our in, in the in the Yeshiva Hockey League the rules aren't as clear-cut and are open to a little more interpretation. But getting back to the game, uh, in overtime, as it went, it would be Reese again hustling to block an Abe Gelman clear attempt that would glance off his leg and sail into the Frisch net for the 5-4 final. Reese would finish with the hat-trick, his second in a row and third on the season. Not, shabby, not too shabby for a defenseman, 10 goals on the era. Uh, another team knocked from the ranks of the undefeated this week were the SAR Sting. SAR sandwiched a 9-1 victory over JEC and a 3-1 win over MTA with a tough 3-1 loss to TABC in the battle of the two remaining undefeated teams out west. The Sting held a 1-0 lead going into the third on a goal by Jacob Unger before TABC tallied three in the final frame by Alex Malik, Arie Berman, and Ari Fuchs, including the game winner with under a minute left to keep TABC undefeated. Finally, MTA also defeated Heschel. Moving on to the standings, uh, we're going to start out in the East. DRS leads the East at 7-1 and one with 14 points. Hank has 9 points at 4-1-0-1. Oh, Half to right behind them, the only undefeated team left in the East at 4-0 oh, with 8 points. They're tied with North Shore, who also has 8 points, but has 5 losses to go along with the 4 points, with the 4 wins. Rombaum and Flappush are tied at 2-4-0-1. Oh, Very interesting, and we'll get to that in a second. Both have 5 points. Solomon Schechter, after picking up their first win this uh, this week, are uh, 1-4. And, and Meg and David rounds out the division at 0 oh, and eight. Moving over to the Western Conference now, starting out at the top, where Kushner is still at number one in the division, uh, having 13 points, a 6 0 one record. Ramaz right behind them, uh, having played 10 games, they're 6-4 and four with 12 points. SAR is 5-1, 10 points right behind them. And then you have a three-way tie uh, with six points between TABC, MTA, and Frisch. TABC leads that with a record of 3-0, followed up by Frisch at 2-0-0-2. Uh, sorry, no. Actually, MTA with three wins would get would take uh, uh, the advantage uh, because of the wins over everything else. MTA is three and two. Frisch two zero zero and two. Good thing the season doesn't end today, where we'd have to figure this all out. Uh, JEC uh, following them up at two and four with four points, and Heschel rounds out the division, still winless at zero and seven. Taking a look at the week ahead, there are 11 games this week, and the big night of the week, as I said before, for Varsity is Thursday. There are four games, two of which are big to the West. That would be the Frisch at Ramaz game and the Kushner at TABC game. 
for Frisch and Ramaz, Ramaz, after having uh, amassed a huge week, has thrust themselves back into the uh, conversation for the third buy in the in the West. And uh, Frisch at two oh oh and two is looking to keep pace for that very same spot. It's going to be important to, to to see who wins this game because the winner will have obviously the advantage on the other, but will also have a potentially a step up in the fight against Sar as uh, Sar will still have to face uh, either of them and will have to uh, go through their tough schedule in order to fight for that third spot as well. But at the very, very least, what they would look for out of it is if they can't get that third spot, one of those teams definitely wants to have that home game in the 4-5 game. For TABC Kushner, this is about supremacy in the division. Right now, Kushner topped the division, TABC still undefeated. And... Uh, it's it's very important to set the tone early on for one of these two teams. TABC is uh, is the team that won the JV championship two years ago, but the team that took uh, that took a nice knock at them was Kushner. Kushner did end up defeating them two years ago, and so it, it's this. There's a little there's a little sense of potentially a rivalry between the two for this year. Maybe not overall, as TABC has many other natural rivals in the division. One would say Frisch, and uh, potentially uh, you know SA are over the last few years. For Kushner, this is potentially a season-changing game. If Kushner wins this game, they have the advantage, because if they can win in TABC and force TABC to go back to Kushner and have to win that game in order to tie it up, so that if the two actually do end up tied in points at the end, that Kushner does not have the advantage, it's going to be extremely tough for TABC to go into that rink in Kushner and walk away with a victory. So if Kushner can take this game, Kushner has a decided advantage, both uh, mentally, uh, as it as they hold the rink advantage for the second game of the year, and literally on the uh, on the standings board. Following that, uh, Sunday night has the SAR TABC rematch in TABC. So uh, there are three games that could change the face of the West. Out east, there are a few interesting games, but only one that may have down the road implications. The big game is going to be tomorrow night, Flatbush at Rambam. Like I said before, both teams are two four zero and one, and both teams are likely fighting uh, with North Shore for the last two playoff spots in the East. And these are two teams with the same exact schedule and parallel situations. Taking a look at both of their remaining schedules, Flappish and Rambam, uh, Flappish has already faced half the Rambam still has to face half the twice, but Rambam has already faced Kushner, who Flappish will have to face later on down the road. So the tough games are still there. They will each face DRS1, so the tough games are still there for them. And as for the easy games, as, you, as we know, Flappish lost to Solomon Schechter, Rambam still has two games against Solomon Schechter, but Rambam's already finished their games against Mag and David, Flappish still has one against them. So it's very even up, and whoever wins the two battles against each other is going to have a decided advantage when it comes to figuring out who will get what will likely be the uh, either, depending on how North Shore uh, finishes out their season, could be the third, fourth, or even the fifth spot in the East. The real interesting game in the is going to be the interconference game, though, between MTA and Hank. Hank is the uh, right now playing the third uh, as the third best team in the East, and it's going to give us some insight as to where that really places the East teams overall against MTA, who is locked in for the in that battle right in the middle of the West of the potential three, four, five, six, depending on how you look at it, and it'll give us a real insight as to where that places the teams in the East overall. Speaking of overall. 
let's take a look at the rankings for Varsity for the week. Uh, and Varsity, Hafter, moves up to the number one slot this week with their win over Hank. More due to Kushner's loss in overtime to Ramaz, which knocks Kushner down to the third spot. TABC will move up to number two, so the top three are Hafter, TABC, Kushner. Followed up by Fritch, who sticks at the four spot uh, after only losing to Kushner in overtime. Uh, Kushner being the one seed at that point, Frisch's uh, loss in overtime actually looks better for them. Uh, SAR, six and number five. DRS will stay at number six. Uh, Ramaz, after their their overtime win over Kushner and two other wins on the week with Heschel and Rambam, move up two spots to the number seven spot. Eight is going to be Hank after losing to Hafter, but the overtime win to Flatbush. Uh, sorry, Hank will drop to eight after being seven last time, uh, as uh, needing the overtime to defeat Flopush. MTA will drop to ninth, having lost to SAR. Uh, North Shore will move from tw- up from 12 up to 10, having defeated Rambam. And Rambam will drop from 10 to 11. Flopush, uh, by virtue of that loss to Solomon Schechter, even though they, uh, even though they redeemed themselves, uh, actually because they redeemed themselves, they didn't drop that far with redeeming themselves with the loss to Hank. Flopush is in the 12th spot. JEC uh, moves up to the 13th spot. Solomon Schechter moves out of the bottom and is now in the 14th spot after their win over Flopbush. Mag and David uh, and Heschel, both looking for their first wins on the season, occupy 15 and 16, respectively. Moving over to JV now, the West had five games this week. Uh, MTA was part of two of them. They defeated Hillel 4-1 and Westchester 3-0 to move them to 3-2 in contention with JEC, whom they will face this coming Tuesday. Uh, last time out, JEC dominated the Lions 5-1 in JEC. JEC is looking to get back on the winning path after losing 2-1 uh, to Ramaz in Ramaz. Zach Wilds and Ali Haddad scored to give Ramaz their their first win on the season. Arye Marcus scored his ninth on the season for JEC, but that would not come until there were 20 seconds left in the third, a little too little too late. For Ramaz, it was an important win, as they'll potentially be battling with JEC for that home playoff spot. But at the very least, Ramaz needs it to stay in playoff contention with MTA, having an easier schedule and already at three wins. We'll discuss that a little bit later. It was also important to regain a little bit of composure after being trounced by Frisch 12. 12 to 1. So the one against Ramaz being their first goal against on the season. I think that's actually very important for Frisch moving forward. Frisch doesn't give up a goal to Ramaz. They're, they're still a bagel on the board. There's potentially an unnecessary burden of carrying a zero on the defense and the goalies into games that where giving up a goal may not mean as much. They're going to face SAR tomorrow night. So imagine you go into that game, you give up a goal to SAR, and that's the first goal you've given up on the season. Where where is the where's the mentality there? Because you haven't given up a goal before, and it's like, oh my gosh, now that we've given up a goal, they we gave up a goal to a good team. What are we going to do now? We've never you know we've we never had to face that situation. Um, you know, this year for my team, for my Hartora team, uh, faced a, a similar situation where third game of the season we're facing YCQ, and our starting goalie uh, Eitan Rabanapur had not given up a goal. Towards the end of the game, uh, YCQ got a uh, a four on two power play. And 
uh, it was at a point in the game where Aton did not really need to be in, but I figured, you know, I didn't really want him to give up a goal, but if he was going to give up a goal, better off that game against YCQ so he doesn't carry that mindset and the burden into the next couple of games, which are very important for us, that he needs to keep that streak from being broken. So, again, for Frisch, mentally, the uh, the monkey's off their back of having to protect a zero on the board, and it may help them play a little more freely on defense, uh, more than they probably would have had they had to deal with the zero up on the board. I mean, look, it's not to say that having uh, no goals scored against is not a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a very good thing. But you don't want to have that as the season goes on, and you get towards the playoffs, you know, like, and that's where... You know, and that's what you're worrying about, as opposed to just getting out there, focusing on the game, playing the game you're supposed to, and potentially losing because you're you're focused more on knocking up a goal, and then one goal turns into two goals, and two into three, and mistakes upon mistakes. So it's just better off that they get that they get everything dealt with now early on in the season in a game that for them was, uh, I mean, while it was in the first period, for a game that they eventually had well in hand. Uh, SAR going stride for stride with Frisch, knocking off Westchester uh, 10-0, even though on the the, uh, MYHSAL website it lists a large margin. I had a a chance to actually uh, muse over the large margin on the site with with Mo Fuchs on, uh, on Thanksgiving night. And he, he he asked me the question like what do you think of the what do you think of the fact that they have large margins up there? And my mind I was actually it's funny I was actually going to talk about the topic myself, but the fact that he brought it up just made me want to talk about it even more. Truth is, I think I know what the league is getting at there by putting large margins instead of putting a game on there. the The purpose of it is to make sure that people don't run up the score or that they don't feel that or they don't get embarrassed or that they don't feel that, um, you know, if the score is too high that they're going to have to look at it and, that's, and the score is going to be on there. Unfortunately, I think it's it, it, it works to have the opposite effect, really, because if you have the score up there, people look at it and they say, okay, this happened. They're, they're not really searching around. People don't know. But when you're when you put something like that on the board, it makes people a little more curious. So they go around asking, and more people looking to find out, and more people can find out. And then you have where you have where you probably didn't have people uh, who would have been as interested in looking into the further into the game. You now have more people who are now asking and curious. And so the score, the real score, actually gets around more than it would have if people had just been given the score in the first place. I, I, I find it similar to what the old Hamish, uh, what, the, what the Hamish League, not the old Hamish League, what the Hamish League used to do, where they had a six-goal rule. And you would look at a website, and you'd see a school like Mariah and a school like Hillel, and you'd have Mariah with a 6 nothing victory because they wouldn't put up uh, points after the six-goal until... Uh, the other team scored a goal, and then they'd add the goal. But you would look at you, you see six nothing, and you'd and you'd laugh to yourself because you realize that that wasn't the actual score. That the score is probably much worse, and it wasn't really doing much to protect the team that lost. 
Anyhow, getting back to uh, to to the uh, JV League in the East, uh, the uh, the session started off with a bang uh, two weeks ago with North Shore and Mag and David squaring off for the second time in a week. The first time North Shore won six four. Uh, Abe Goldman scoring five goals in that game. This time North Shore carried a four one lead into the middle of the third before Mag and David ripped off three straight to tie up the game and would also net the game winner in overtime. Martin Cohen putting in the game winner. Michael Mamie helping out in the comeback to pull off a ridiculous and necessary comeback for North Shore. It seems as if these two are destined to be fighting for that final playoff spot in the East, and now they've effectively split the season series. Each team has one win, and the fact that North Shore lost in overtime does not really play a factor in that analysis. Uh, both teams were in action on Tuesday night, facing undefeated teams. North Shore fell to Rambam 6-1, probably not the birthday gift that uh, North Shore goalie Jack Tagerstein was looking for, and they would improve Rambam's record to 5-0. Mag and David's week came to a similar end, losing to Flatbush 8-0 behind two surprise goals by sophomore Elliot Stein. Joseph Habert also netted two. Sam Laniato had a goal and three helpers in the Flatbush victory. The win for Flatbush helped them stay undefeated, as earlier in the week they were able to knock off Hank 2-1. The Hurricanes got on the board first early in the second period on a power play goal by Kenny Shear. A few minutes later, Flopwish found themselves on the kill again, but this time the ball would go the other way as Laniato would pick off a cross pass, take it all the way down, get, initially get stopped by goalie Andrew Marks, but after an autonomous Nemet tip pass, found, uh, Laniato would find the back of the net to tie the game at 1. Time winding down in the second, Karma would strike for Nemet as he found the back of the net himself himself tipping in Nathan Mosseri's shot in from the corner. So that being the only game that they played this year, Flatbush would now have the advantage over Hank in what would probably be uh, very close finishes in the division, Hank having the schedule that they have, uh, Flatbush having the schedule that they have. These two teams will be fighting for, I would say, somewhere in the area of that third, potentially second or fourth seed. Uh, the only other game on the week was an all-Brooklyn affair between the two remaining winless teams in the East as YDE and Shari Torah met up, uh, with YDE winning that one 3-2. to two. Ezra Sutton tied up the game at two with his second of the game halfway through the third period for Shari Torah, but a penalty call with three minutes to go doomed them as YDE would capitalize for their first victory of the year to push their record to 1-3 and three, while Shari Torah fell to 0-3. There's hope for revenge for Shari, though, as they will get to tussle with YDE once again this season with their rematch slated for mid-December. So let's take a look at the standings for JV Hockey. In the East, Rombaum and Flatbush uh, are the only undefeated teams. Rombaum at 5-0, and Flatbush at 4-0, and Rombaum with 10 points, Flatbush right behind them with 8. DRS behind the pack uh, with at 3-1 and with 6 points. Uh, Hank, 2-2-0-1 with 5 points. Uh, North Shore, 2-4-0-1, having 7 games out of the way with 5 points. Meg and David, uh, right behind them, 1 point behind at 2-4. and four. Hafter, only having played 2 games so far, is 1-1 one and one with 2 points. They're tied with YDE, who is 1-3 and three and also has 2 points. And then Shari rounding out the division at 0-3. Moving over to the West, Frisch and SAR are undefeated. Frisch at 4-0, SAR at 3-0. SAR uh, tied in points with JEC. 
and MTA, uh, JEC at 3-1, and one, and MTA at 3-2, and two. TABC at 2-1 and one with 4 points, Ramaz with 3 points at 1-2-0-1, oh, Hillel at 1-5 and five with 2 points, and Westchester rounding out the division at 0-5. Oh, um, schedule for the coming week, uh, major props need to go out to the schedule makers for this coming Monday night, or maybe it's just for the teams for how this worked out. All four undefeated teams, Rambam, Flatbush, Frisch, NSAR are in action, and all are against each other. Flatbush and Rambam will meet up in the Battle of the Birds in the Raven's Nest on Monday night to determine which East team, if either, will still maintain a perfect record. The same is going to go on at West, as Frisch and SAR will meet up in the Hive in Riverdale. So Monday night, barring any ties, we'll have two teams without blemishes on their record. Uh, that'll stand out above the pack in their division. Rambam can actually be the first team to clinch a playoff berth this week should they defeat Flatbush and Hafter, whom they'll face on Saturday night, and a Shari Torah loss or tie to Mag and David on Thursday night. Two Rambam wins would give them seven wins, or 14 points, and would put them ahead of North Shore, who can only finish uh, with at most 11 points, Mag and David with at most 12 points, and Shari Torah, who would only be able to get 12 or 13, depending on that finish, the loss, or the tie, or the overtime loss. Uh, it would tie them in points with YDE, who faces North Shore on Thursday, uh, with whom they hold the head-to-head tiebreaker, though, uh, having defeated them, meaning that the worst that Rambam could do is finish fifth, securing them a playoff spot. Out West, there are no playoff clinching scenarios yet, but the games this week will help some teams stand out from amongst their peers. We've already discussed MTA and JEC this Tuesday night, but just as important will be Ramaz at MTA on Sunday afternoon. An MTA win would really put the pressure on Ramaz, as Ramaz would, pending their game against Westchester on Monday, have three losses already. And they'd still need to face Frisch once and SAR twice. Frisch and SAR undefeated now, leading their divisions. Uh, assuming those games go as they do on paper, Ramaz could be staring down the barrel of a 3-6-0-1 record at the end of the year. And with MTA already potentially having four wins and the potential for one or two more, and JEC currently at three wins and games still against Hillel and Westchester remaining for them, not including the MTA game that's going to be played this week, a Ramaz loss to MTA could, barring a miracle, end their playoff hopes. Westchester and Hillel will both play two games this week. They'll play one against each other next Sunday, and uh, Westchester will play Ramaz, as mentioned before, tomorrow, and Hillel will play TABC on Tuesday. For the purposes of elimination, both are very close, but it depends on quite a few results, and there are quite too many to formulate here, but one possible scenario would work like this. Assuming that both lose their other games, they'll each have six losses. An SAR win over Frisch tomorrow night, a JEC win over MTA, a TABC win over SAR next Sunday would give SAR, Frisch, JEC, MTA, and TABC four wins. Uh, MTA and TABC get four by winning the Westchester and Hillel games that that, that they play, uh, meaning that the loser of the Westchester Hillel game would be mathematically eliminated. Moving over to the rankings now for JV. 
not not as much change as there was in the varsity. Rambam still at the one spot after they win over North Shore. Frisch stays at the two with the win over Ramaz. Uh, SAR at the three after the win over Westchester. DRS Idol staying at four. Flatbush staying at five uh, despite their two wins. Let's see what happens tomorrow night with their move up. TABC stays at six. JEC stays at seven despite their close loss to Ramaz. Hank stays at eight despite their close loss to Flatbush. It's because everybody's losing close games that nobody's moving just as much as other teams are winning close games. Uh, Ramaz jumps up from the 12th spot to the 9th spot after defeating JEC, but also because uh, also because of uh, Mag and David uh, evening themselves out on the week, having lost to Flatbush, but t- needing overtime to beat North Shore, and North Shore dropping from 9 to 11, having lost to Rambam and losing in overtime to Mag and David. Hafter, idle on the week, uh, dropped down a spot because everybody else who was in action. MTA stays at 13 uh, after their two wins over Hill and Westchester. Hillel stays at the 14, Westchester at the 15, Darcheyera is YDE at 16 after the win over Shari, and Shari staying at 17 in the last spot. You are listening to The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, taking you through the week in Yeshiva League action. Moving over to girls basketball, we're going to start off in girls A, where both division leaders fell over the past two weeks. Defending champion Ramaz started off the stretch, suffering a stunning defeat at the hands of Breweria, 45 to 26. Breweria, behind the play of Ali Orgel, held the Rams to under 30 points, making them the only team to do so in Ramaz's seven games to this point. Despite the loss, Ramaz has jumped out to a commanding 6-1 record in the East, picking up two wins by dropping Flatbush and Frisch this past week. The Rams walked away with a 12-point victory over Flatbush, 43-31, sweeping their two-game season set and an 8-point win over the Cougars, 33-25. Ramaz can move a step closer to clinching a playoff berth this week when they take on North Shore this Monday night, but will need to wait to see what Central and Flatbush do over the next two weeks to tell exactly where they'll stand before they go into their big December 15th matchup with Hafter, who theoretically could only be a game behind the Rams at that point. Hafter is currently at 3-1 and one after also dropping Flatbush by double digits, winning 44-33 to and doing the same to Central earlier in the period, 33-10. to So in two weeks, Hafter goes from a six-point loss at, at Flatbush to erasing the loss and putting themselves in the driver's seat to make a run at the Rams in the top spot, but will have a tough task getting through Frisch this coming week. And they may also face a challenge from North Shore, who even their record at 1-1 one and one after defeating Heschel 45-32. to but they can make a huge statement this coming week when they play three games against Ramaz on Monday, Hank on Tuesday, and Flatbush next Sunday. For Flatbush, despite the two losses, it wasn't a total downer. Uh, the Falcons had a brief stint at the 500 mark before they lost their two games, trouncing Heschel 68-32. Four Flatbush players scored double digits in the win. Rose Michon led all scores with 17. Victoria Gindy added 15, all in the first half. Hank also benefited from their matchup with Heschel, gaining their first win of the season by downing the Heat 49-31, to tying them in wins with Central and keeping Heschel at zero wins on the season, now 0-6. Out West, Breweria's win over Ramaz, as well as their 45-40 win over Hillel, has launched them into a tie with SAR for the division lead at four wins. Breweria at 4-2 and two and SAR at 4-1, and one. after the Sting were trounced 52-37 by a Mayanote Rapids team hungry for a victory after losing that 65-64 barn burner in Frisch on the 16th. Taking a look at the standings in Girls Varsity A, 
Out in the East, Ramaz at 6-1, and one, Hafter at 3-1, and one, North Shore at 1-1, one one, Flopish behind at 2-4, and four, as it says on the website, because it goes by winning percentage, uh, Hank with Flopish at 1-2, and two, Central at 1-3, Heschel at 0-6. Over in the West, SAR at four and one, Bruria at four and two, Maya Note at three and two, Frisch and Hillal tied at two and two, and Kushner at one and three. Taking a look at the schedule coming up this week, Monday has Frisch at Kushner and Ramaz at North Shore. Tuesday has Hank at North Shore and Kushner at SAR. So both North Shore and Kushner playing on back-to-back nights. Wednesday night's an interesting night. Uh, Hafter will face off against Frisch. Both teams need this win for momentum going into huge matchups in two weeks and to keep pace with the pack in each of their respective divisions. Also is Central and Flatbush. Uh, Central will be facing Flatbush on Wednesday night. At the end of that game, the teams will either be tied in the wins column with two or the loss column with four, depending on the result. After that, there are no games until Sunday, when Flatbush will take on North Shore and Mayanote will face Hillel. And Mayanote win can pull them even with an idle brewery team, and depending on how their games go this week, Frisch at 4-2 and two in the West. The B-League is picking up steam as all teams were in action in six games this week, uh, and with this coming week marking the halfway point of the B-League schedule. Through the first half, last year's finalists, champion SKA and runners-up Bruria have forged to the head of the pack. The Sonics still undefeated at 5-0 after downing winless uh, Shari Torah 44-20, and a week removed from uh, a key win over Bruria, who kept pace and are now 4-1 and after handing Elon its first loss of the season 34-30. It would be Elon's only blemish of the week, sandwiching the loss with a 39-27 defeat of Shalhevet earlier and a 36-12 win over winless Shalamath to cap it off. Ironically, those two teams met as well, with Shalhevet earning win number two on the year, trouncing Shalamath 53-16. Also keeping pace with the pack at 3-1 is Mag and David. The Warriors handed Shari Torah their second loss of the week 39-23. Just to quickly recap the Varsity B standings, SKA out front at 5-0, Bruria at 4-1, Elon and Mag and David tied at 3-1. Keep track of those three teams, you'll see why in a second. Shalhevet at 2-3, and, and Shalamis and Shari at 0 wins. Shalamis with 5 losses, Shari Toro with 6. So for the schedule for the week ahead for Varsity B, SKA has got to be 11 this week because they get to see Bruria battle out, out against two other one-loss teams facing Mag and David on Monday night in Bruria and then traveling to Elan on Thursday night. So, for SKA, the division's going to shake out a bit behind them and they'll only have to deal with, at most, uh, at, at the best case scenario, they'll have one one-loss team behind them, and the others will have dropped back a couple of games. Or they'll get some breathing room from Bruria, because Bruria will have dropped two of their games. And just in time for Girls JV, we have breaking news on today's game between Kushner and Maya Note. The Rapids defeated the Cobras by the score of 46-25, improving Maya Note's record to 6-1 and and making them the first team in any league to clinch a playoff berth. Uh, a thank you to John Malik for getting us that score. More on that game in a second, but let's get through the rest of the week first. Each of the teams was in action earlier on, with Maya Note defeating Frisch, sending them under the 500 mark at 2-3 and with a 50-40 victory. 
victory. Kushner picked up their first win of the season, defeating Westchester 35-14, to but have now dropped their fifth game. The win is important because only one team will not make the playoffs in the division, and this gives them at least a leg up on Westchester in that battle. As I say, when uh, outrunning a bear, you don't need to be the fastest, you just need to be faster than the other guy. Westchester, the other guy in this case, dropped to 0-5 on Tuesday with a 38-35 loss to Central in their crossover division game. Speaking of Central, that win earned them a split on the week after dropping their first game of the stretch with a 38-28 loss to previously winless Hafter, who would only be able to work out a split as well, falling to Flopbush 40-22 this past Monday, keeping the Falcons undefeated at 4-0 and earning a season sweep of Hafter. To reach that 4-0 plateau, Flopbush also trounced Ramaz 30-16, so Flopbush is responsible for both Ramaz and Hafter now being at the same record of 1-3. and uh, Let's take a look at the standings. In the East, Flatbush is at 4-0, and and North Shore is at 3-0. and Remember that. Central at 2-2, two and two, and Hafter and Ramaz are both at 1-3. and Over in the West, Maya Note now at 6-1, and SAR at 3-1, and Frisch at 2-3, and Kushner at 1-5, and and Westchester at 0-5. And, and now back to Maya Note's playoff situation. They have clinched the playoff berth, but can go even further this week and clinch at least a first-round home game with a Frisch loss to Kushner tomorrow, or to Westchester on Wednesday, as that would make Kushner and Westchester unable to reach the six-win mark, while Frisch would only be able to hit six on the dot, which would only tie them with Maya Note, who holds the tiebreaker by virtue of their two wins over Frisch. Ironically, SAR is hoping for just the opposite to happen. SAR would prefer Frisch to win tomorrow, and then for uh, for themselves, SAR, to defeat Kushner on Wednesday. This would give SAR four wins, and put Kushner at seven losses, meaning the most that they can get is three, clinching the Sting a playoff. Birth. Other games on the week. On Monday, Ramaz will travel to North Shore. Wednesday, Flatbush will go to Central. And if both of those teams get through those matchups unscathed, Flatbush and North Shore will face next Sunday in the battle of the two remaining undefeated teams in Girls JV. Flatbush dominated the two games that these teams played in the last year, but North Shore has already eclipsed their 1-9 mark from last year and are a vastly improved team looking to make a run at the division crown. We're going to move over to the boys' side of things now. I'm going to start off in varsity. Let's start out in the West, where the game of the week was a thrilling contest between the Frisch Cougars and the Ramaz Rams. Frisch came into the contest undefeated at 3-0, and while Ramaz touted a league-best five victories. Early on, the Rams looked poised to knock Frisch off, jumping out to a six-point lead at the half and expanding that to a 50-42 to lead to enter the fourth quarter. But in the final stanza, the Cougars bounced back to edge out Ramaz 62-59. Michael Finkel led Frisch with 25 points, while Benny Tuckman contributed a double-double with 10 points and 10 rebounds to keep Frisch at the top of the leaderboard out west and drop Ramaz to 5-2. and two. two other teams managed to reach the four-win plateau last week as well. Uh, first in a battle of two three-win teams, TABC raced out to a 14-3 lead against JEC and never trailed, uh, dropping the Thunder by 10, 57-47. Moshe Bloom led TABC with 18 points. Dan Playoff added 13. Shmayahu Shalman led uh, the JC Thunder, which who are now 3-3, three and three, with 14 points, while uh, Kiva Shalman chipped in with 12. The second team to do so was Hillel. Uh, the Heat, led by 25 from Nathan Beebe, downed SAR 56-44 to, to improve their record to 4-2. 
Out in the east, uh, North Shore got themselves back on the winning track, brushing themselves off after their loss to Hafter, winning two over the past two weeks, ending off with a 40-30 to win over Hank, whom they'll meet again this coming week, but starting off with an 84-point performance uh, to knock down Derek Atora, 84-50. to North Shore's third win of now four on the season came behind Cody Cohen's game-leading 25 points. Derek Atora drops to 1-6 and six despite another solid performance from nation's leading scorer Adam Matovich. Matovich put up 24 more points to bring his total to 227 in nine games, which of course includes a couple of non-season games. Uh, five points per game better than the next closest Yeshiva League performer, Gabriel Leifer of DRS. Leifer and the Wildcats were in action this past week as well, taking on Flatbush. Uh, the Wildcats led by five at the half and broke through in the second to cap off a 19-point 39-20 victory to boost them to an undefeated 5 no record on the season. Yehuda Shine led DRS with 15, while Leifer added 13 of his own. Uh, Alan Mala led the Falcons with 6. Flopwish now falls to 2-4. and four. Uh, DRS will look to keep their record whole this coming week when they face YDE. Darche Ayres will enter the battle at 3-1 and one after downing winless Rambam 65-58. For YDE, it, it won't be an easy week as they will take on, uh, they'll take on North Shore two days after that. So just taking a look at the standings, DRS leads the East at 5-0. and Hafter also undefeated at 3-0. and North Shore comes in this week at 4-1. and YDE at 3-1. and Magan David at 2-2. and Flatbush at 2-4. and Hank and Derek Hattori each with one win. Hank at 1-3. and Derek Hattori at 1-6. and And Rambam rounds out the East at 0-8. Out West... Frisch, TABC, and Hillel each have four wins. Frisch at 4-0, TABC at 4-1, Hillel at 4-2. Ramaz is in the mix there with five wins at 5-2. Heschel, MTA, and JEC are all even at 3-3, three three, 500 records. SAR is 1-3, Kushner at 0-6. The uh, schedule this coming week, uh, Monday's games include Derek Hattora against Hank. On Tuesday, you have DRS and YDE doing battle, along with Rambam and Mag and David. Interesting battle on Tuesday night also. Uh, Ramaz will face MTA. Uh, as you may remember, Ramaz's first loss of the season was that game to MTA, MTA winning that game by one. On Wednesday, you have uh, North Shore going cross uh, cross cross league to take on SAR. TABC and Hillel, two of those four win teams, will face on Wednesday night. Thursday will bring Frisch at Kushner and North Shore at YDE. Saturday night you'll have Hafter and Hank, JEC and Hillel, and Kushner in TABC. Let's take a look at the top 25 uh, for the week, the Jewish Groups America National Top 25. Hafter still at the top of the rankings with all nine first-place votes. Uh, 10-0 record over the uh, over the year, only 3-0 in the Yeshiva League, but seven wins outside. They stay at the one spot. North Shore stays at the two. Frisch jumps from seven all the way up to three after their big victory over Ramaz. Yula, the top non-Yeshiva League performer at 4, TABC at 5, Ramaz at 6. So 5 of the top 6 go to the Yeshiva League, and 6 of the top 10 as DRS is in at number 8. The next Yeshiva League uh, participant is Slapush at 12. You have JEC at 15. 
you have Heschel and Hillel at 17 and 18, SAR at 20, MTA at 21. So for those uh, for those keeping track, that is 12 Yeshiva League teams in the top 25 in the nation. Moving over to JV. In JV League this week, there were three new high scorers on the season as we had our first three teams to hit the 70 mark. Out East, Shari Torah started off the week with a 70-41 win over Ezra to rebound from a 64-36 slamming at the hands of DRS last week. The win pushes the Stars closer to the 500 mark and into a cluster of five teams now with two wins. Shari is, however, at the bottom of that cluster, though, because they have played five games, but can make a strong push if they're able to knock off fellow two-win team Mag and David this coming week. The Warriors, ironically, one day earlier blocked Shari's attempt at the top of the points board. All also defeating Ezra by the score of 73-58. to The win lifted them to 2-1, and one, but then found themselves knocked down to the 500 mark, losing to DRS 40-29. to The Wildcats, with two big wins in the first half of their stretch against the Brooklyn teams, appear to have recovered from the loss in their first game against division leader and still undefeated North Shore. The Stars lifted themselves to a 3-0 record after narrowly defeating formerly undefeated Hank 50-46 in Hank this past Tuesday. The two teams will meet up again this coming week in the tail end of their home-and-home -home series on Tuesday in North Shore. As you may have noticed, so far I've only listed two of the three teams that happened to top the 70 mark. That's because the third happened out west this past Tuesday as Frisch gets on the win column, topping the 80 mark, dominating JEC 81-37. to So 81 is the new high points mark of the season. Both teams are now at the 500 mark as Frisch evens its record to 1-1, one one, while JEC is now at 2-2. Two and two. In the battle of teams heading in opposite directions, SAR improves to 2-1 and one in an impressive defensive performance, defeating Hillel 51-15. Hillel drops to 0-5 and is in danger of finding themselves close to theoretical but not quite mathematical playoff elimination. Also nearing that red zone is Kushner after a tough week that took them from a 500 record to being 2-4 and four after dropping games to division leaders, using the term loosely as we are still early in the JV season, 3-0 TABC 51-34 and 2-0 MTA 45-36. Unfortunately for Cushman, the schedule isn't really in their favor for a recovery, facing Frisch this week, fresh off of their 80-point uh, performance, and then again TABC at the end of the week. Kushner could find themselves anywhere from back at 500, with two upset victories, to 2-6. At 2-6, the worst-case scenario, it's still possible to find their way into the postseason, but quite a bit would need to break right for the Cobras. Taking a look at the standings in the JV League in the East, North Shore, Hafter, and Flatbush are still undefeated. North Shore at 3-0, Hafter at 2-0, Flatbush at 1-0. Then you have five teams clustered with two wins, as I said earlier. DRS and Hank are both 2-1. Mag and David and YDE are 2-2. Two and, two. and Shari stands at 2-3. Behind them are two 0-win teams with Rambam at 0-3 and Ezra at 0-4. Taking a look at this week's schedule, Ezra will begin their week at Flatbush on Monday. DRS continues their Brooklyn, uh, their Brooklyn run facing YDE on Tuesday. Also on Tuesday will be MTA and Ramaz and SAR and JEC and Hank at North Shore completing the tail end of their, of their home and home. Wednesday will feature only one game, Mag and David at Shari. 
Thursday has a slate of three games with Frisch meeting up against Kushner, TABC facing Ramaz, and North Shore facing Rambam. Saturday night will have Kushner at TABC and Hillel meeting up with Frisch on Sunday. Also coming up this week will be the 2014 Hausdorff Tournament at Yeshiva Flabush. The tournament, starting this Thursday and continuing with a Shabbaton through the weekend, is held in memory of former Flatbush General Studies Principal Thomas Hausdorff. Participating in the event will be junior varsity squads from Yeshiva Flatbush, Cooper Memphis, Akiva Day School of Detroit, and Weinbaum Yeshiva High School of Boca Raton, Florida. For more information, including a schedule of the event, please log on to www.flatbushfalcons.com. Over the next few weeks, the tournaments should be wrapping up mostly. Uh, the past few weeks, we've had several, including the Cooper Memphis tournament a few weeks ago, the Emuna Rubenstein tournament for both the JV and the varsity. But over the next couple of days, these tournaments are going to wind down, and we're going to be mostly in Yeshiva League play. So as the next couple of weeks roll on, we'll be able to get more in-depth on playoff scenarios, which... In hockey, is already happening because hockey, they've already been playing for quite a few weeks without a tournament, and that, that seems to be the norm for hockey. Unfortunately, hockey does not happen to have tournaments, while the basketball, uh, the basketball side of things has several, and uh, these tournaments are amazing, amazing things, and hopefully over the next couple of years, we can infuse that into hockey, but right now what basketball has going is very, very good. And so with those out of the way, we can actually start talking about playoffs because more basketball games that count for the regular season will be played and uh, teams will finally get themselves into playoff clinching scenarios and we will be able to bring that to you as the next few weeks roll on. We're going to finish up today's show with a word from the wise. And for this one, I actually was online uh, over the past couple of hours, and I saw a blog by Barry Kibrick, a host and producer of Between the Lines with Barry Kibrick on PBS. And strangely enough, in one of his uh, blogs, he had a quote from John Wooden uh, regarding Thanksgiving. I thought it was really, really appropriate. Uh, Success is peace of mind, which is a result a direct result of self-satisfaction in knowing you did your best to become the best you are capable of becoming. Uh, those last seven words, the best you are capable of becoming, that means so much. We always do the best we are capable of doing. Should we strive for more? Always. But while striving, we should be thankful that we are still doing the best that we can in that moment and that we have the op- the ability to do as great as we can. You know, God gives us uh, all our talents, and so we need to be very thankful that we were graced and we were blessed and not take it for granted that we have the ability that we do. Um, I, for one, am grateful uh, this year for two things. Um, One, I am extremely grateful that I have the ability to reach out and help shape and mold uh, young lives and uh, help create a better tomorrow for for the future of Jewish youth, uh, being a coach, being a mentor, being a a friend. I hope that, at the very least, everyone who I get the chance to talk to or speak to um, takes away something from me that makes tomorrow a better place, and I'm thankful to be in a position where I believe that this can become a reality. I'm also thankful for the community around me. Uh, As somebody who's been coaching for the last 10 years, the the hockey and basketball communities are like a brotherhood. This past weekend, I spent Thanksgiving uh, at the home of a fellow coach at the home of at Mo Fuchs's house, and so I'm very very thankful that there 
is a sense of brotherhood and sense of family that I hope the kids feel amongst each other as well. If you missed any part of this or any episode this season, you can catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., or you can find the court report on iTunes or the Nakam Siegel Network app. Tomorrow morning, Jay, I'm in the AM with Nakam Siegel from 6 to 9 a.m. live on the stream, NakamSiegel.com, or on your radio, 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, 91.9 FM, Rockland County. Once again, a huge thank you to our sponsors, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your plaque and trophy needs. For more of me, you can hear me every Tuesday morning on JM in the AM at around 720 with the Tuesday morning JM in the AM sports update. If you haven't visited the Court Report fan page on Facebook, please do so and click the Like tab. Please, let's get that number up. See you next week right here on The Court Report, only on the Nachum Siegel Network. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hi, this is Elliot Weiselberg, host of The Court Report. Stay tuned for more amazing musical selections and programming only on the Nachum Siegel Network. NachumSiegel.com